Welcome to the latest Funds Fan Podcast. I'm Kyle Caldwell, Collectives Editor at Interactive Investor. Joining me later in the podcast is Charles Luke, Manager of the Murray Income Investment Trust. As usual, the podcast concludes with a look at one of Interactive Investor's rated investments. For this episode, Liberty Godfrey will be running through one of the new entrants to Interactive Investor's ACE 40 list of ethical choices. But first, I have with me Tom Bailey, ETF's editor at Interactive Investor, to discuss a couple of news items. We're going to start off with the latest monthly Bank of America Merrill Lynch Global Fund Manager Survey. It is always an interesting read and is a respected indicator of whether fund managers are feeling optimistic or pessimistic for equity markets. On that front, Fund managers have been turning increasingly optimistic following the announcement of a couple of successful COVID-19 vaccines. Tom, could you run through the details? Sure. So, as you say, the survey shows certain indicators of how bullish fund managers are to be at their highest level in several years, uh, with, the, with the survey itself describing managers at full bull. So, for example, over 90% of fund managers said they expect the global economy to be stronger over the next 12 months. That's the highest percentage who've said so since the survey was taken in March 2002. The number of managers expecting an increase in global profits was also at the highest level since 2002, uh, at more than 80%. Interestingly, too, 66% of fund managers surveyed said they currently considered the economy to be at the start of a new cycle of expansion. So the last time so many fund managers thought the, the economy was at the start of a new cycle of expansion was in 2010, just as the global economy was emerging from the damage of the 2008 financial crisis. And then you can also see the bullishness of fund managers in other ways in terms of the level of cash being held has fallen, those overall equities have gone up. In addition, an increasing number of fund managers expect a market rotation to play out with a move away from the stay-at-home stocks that have benefited from lockdown to recovery stocks. This trend has been playing out in the markets in recent weeks. There have, however, been numerous false dawns over the past couple of years for the predicted resurgence of value investing. This time, the theory is that in the event of a successful rollout of a vaccine, then subsequently economic conditions will start to improve, which could provide the catalyst for value stocks to then outperform growth stocks. Over the past decade or so, growth stocks have notably outperformed value stocks. Personally, I think rather than getting hung up on whether there will be a reversal of this trend, a more prudent approach is to have a diversified portfolio, not just in terms of asset classes, but also in terms of investment styles. And that can be achieved through having a mixture of both growth and value funds. For value, there is a tailwind at the moment. So now is a good time, as there has been for a long time, to size up funds that invest in a selection of shares that the fund manager believes to be mispriced. For those on the lookout for ideas, Numus, the investment trust analyst, favours Fidelity Special Values Investment Trust for investors looking to benefit from a recovery in value stocks. This trust, however, is at the time of this recording trading on a small premium, so it may pay to wait for a better entry point. Two other value-focused trusts that are trading on discounts at the moment are Lowland and Merchants. Lowland is trading on a discount of around 6%, while Merchants is trading on a discount of 3%. Elsewhere, 
There are other themes that investors are seeking to profit from. Tom, you covered a survey by ETF provider WisdomTree, which asked investors which themes they think offer the best long-term investment opportunities. What were the results? Yeah, so this was a survey from uh, WisdomTree of uh, several hundred professional investors across Europe asking what big macro themes they were most hopeful about in terms of offering long-term opportunities. So the most positive theme uh, was AI, with 71% of investors saying they expected this theme to offer compelling long-term investment opportunities. In second and third place were themes set to benefit from the pandemic. So a total of 60% of investors surveyed said they viewed biotech as a potentially successful long-term theme. And just under 50% said the same for cybersecurity. Obviously, the biotech theme kind of explains itself, but with the pandemic, the increased uh, trend for work from home is expected to see a demand for cybersecurity uh, due to employees accessing work remotely, seen as more vulnerable from cyber attacks. So all these themes you can invest in terms of individual stocks or you can find active funds, but increasingly popular is, is investing through these themes through the various thematic ETFs that now exist. Thank you, Tom, for running through those couple of news stories with me. We now move on to our full manager interview. For this episode, I'm joined by Charles Luke, manager of the Murray Income Investment Trust. The trust has recently completed a merger with the Perpetual Income and Growth Investment Trust. Firstly, Charles, could you explain how the land currently lies with the merger? And then could you also explain how in practice you joined the two portfolios together in terms of the holdings? Hello, Carl. Yes, yes, certainly. So as you say, the, the transaction is now complete. Um, that happened last week. That's good news for both sets of shareholders as it's resulted in a, in a larger fund with a, with a lower management fee and a lower ongoing charges ratio. We're seeing better liquidity um, and that had been in the past an issue for larger potential shareholders of Murray Income. Uh, and we hope that the higher profile of the trust should um, also lead to a reduction um, of the discount. And all that means that it should be easier to grow the uh, company organically, um, which should help to further reduce charges per share. In practice, how we joined the portfolios. Um, so ASI became the investment advisor to Perpetual Income and Growth, um, and we instructed Invesco uh, to align the portfolio in, in the weeks leading up to the, the various votes. And that was done very successfully. So we only inherited the companies that we wanted um, and no illiquid or unquoted holdings. So for new shareholders, could you summarise what the investment proposition of Murray Income is? Certainly. So um, in a nutshell, the, the investment proposition can be described in, in three words, um, all beginning with D. So uh, we want to be dependable, diversified and differentiated. So um, dependable, given the focus on high quality companies with um, resilient income and strong capital growth prospects. Uh, I'm fortunate to work in a, uh, in a large team. Um, so that allows us to cover the FTSE 350 with our own proprietary research, benefiting from uh, corporate access, which is second to none and, and is a fantastic ideas factory. Um, and then thirdly, dependable in the sense that we have a, a patient buy and hold investment approach, which has been tried and tested um, over time. Then um, the second D is diversification, uh, which is very important to us. And, and I think one of the lessons of Murray Income's 47 consecutive years of, of dividend growth is not having all of your eggs in one basket. So thoughtful diversification by sector um, and income and, and capital. So um, as a rule of thumb, I don't like to have more than 5% of uh, the capital or 5% of the income in any one company. 
Um, we can invest um, up to 20% of gross assets in overseas listed companies. Um, at the moment, that's around about 15%. That's really helpful in, in terms of diversifying risk in concentrated sectors in the UK market, but also allows us to invest in some companies and industries that you can't find in the UK. Thirdly, in terms of diversification, you know, we really want a healthy exposure to, to mid-cap companies. So at the moment, that's about a third of the portfolio. Um, and that's where our, our research really comes into, into its own. And then finally, in terms of um, being differentiated, so you know we're aware there are lots of similar funds out there, but we think um, we're different given the focus on good quality companies, the diversification, a strong ESG focus, the overseas listed holdings, um, the mid-cap exposure. Um, and then if you unite all of those characteristics together, um, you end up with a portfolio with an attractive dividend yield, the potential for income and capital growth, a portfolio that historically has demonstrated resilience in down markets and, and a track record that um, has delivered some very attractive risk-adjusted returns. As you mentioned there, Charles, um, the Trust has grown its dividends for 47 consecutive years. Indeed, the objective of the Trust is to achieve a high and growing income combined with capital growth. How challenging has that been in 2020? And looking ahead to 2021, do you believe the dividend drought will ease? Clearly, it hasn't been simple, but the, the focus on good quality um, companies has, has held us in, in relatively good stead from, from both um, an income and, and a capital perspective. So you know, our holdings will, will typically have resilient earnings and strong balance sheets, um, and that has generally allowed most of the companies in the portfolio to, to carry on paying a dividend. Um, and actually, we'd expect all of the companies in the portfolio that, that have suspended to return to the dividend list in the next six months. And actually, we've seen quite a few companies that, that had suspended their dividends returning already to paying a dividend, such as the likes of Close Brothers and Euromoney and Mondi and XP Power. So overall, for 2020, compared to market forecasts of perhaps a 40% fall in income, we should see around about a 15%, 1-5% fall in income for the, for the portfolio. For 2021, I think you know the market uh, in, in general, uh, for the market, the picture will, will definitely become brighter. Um, but but quite a number of companies that were over distributing, I think, will will take the opportunity to reset their dividends lower um, when they return to the dividend list. Um, you know, their priorities may have changed. So repaying debt or government support or um, a need to invest in the business. And that's likely to result um, for quite a, quite a number of companies, um, lower dividends per share. But I mean, but the, the trust itself, as I said, is focused on good quality companies with robust balance sheets. So much less of an issue for, for Murray Income. In a recent update, you noted that you've sold a number of companies that are particularly exposed to coronavirus and are surveying the market closely for opportunities to add to holdings where you believe the market reaction has been too severe. Could you give some stock examples of what those sales and purchases have been? So very simply, we're looking to find attractively valued, good quality companies with good growth potential that we can hold for the long term. And those have tended to be mid caps. So in the last sort of six to nine months or so, we've bought a, a holding in, in Fevertree, um, where we think the potential for the company in, in the US had been um, overlooked. Um, Safe Store, uh, which is a self-storage company with some uh, really exciting European growth potential. Uh, Unite, this student accommodation provider, which should continue to, to gain market share. 
um, Decra Pharmaceuticals, the veterinary pharmaceutical company, um, that should benefit from geographic expansion and, and growing pet ownership. And then finally, San, uh, who are a fund administrator, um, they have resilient earnings and should benefit from the outsourcing trend in that industry. Um, we, we've had some uh, had some smaller holdings in some of the larger cap companies, um, such as, as Vodafone and Compass and HSBC, uh, and they were sold to to fund those new purchases. And the biggest sector weighting in the trust is financials. But when looking at the top 10, there are no banks to be found. Do you have any exposure to banks? And will your view change at all if banks are given the green light by the regulator to resume dividend payments next year? In the banking sector, we have um, a holding in Close Brothers, which is about 3%. Also, Standard Chartered, around a 2% weight. Um, but we don't really see banks as particularly good quality companies. So their earnings tend to be very macro driven. It's a highly competitive industry. Offerings tend to be commoditized. It's typically low growth. Um, and, and then you also have this threat from, from new digital entrants. But as, as, as I said, we, we do own some standard chartered. Um, they are benefiting from operation improvements, have a, a very strong emerging markets network, which is hard to replicate. The wealth management business is performing well. And it does look very attractively valued. Also, a larger weight in in Close Brothers. And Close Brothers has very high margins, a high proportion of secured lending. It's close to its customers um, and and it's very conservatively managed. So perhaps because of that, not a surprise that it was the first bank to return to the dividend list um, a couple of months ago. And when the regulator allows dividends um, to be paid, I think because of that overarching view on, on quality, um, I, I'm not really minded to buy any other any other banks. And as you sort of suggest, we do have um, exposure to other better quality financials that provide not dissimilar exposure. Thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast, Charles. And yeah, let's hope that 2021 is a better year for income seeking investors. Thank you, Carl. For the final part of the podcast, I'm joined by Liberty Godfrey, Investment Data Analyst at Interactive Investor. Liberty, you've picked Montanaro Better World, a new member of the ACE40 list, as your fund choice for this episode. So to start off with, how does the fund invest? So Montanaro Better World aims to help some of the world's major problems through investing in small and mid-cap high-quality companies that make a positive impact on society and which show sound environmental, social and governance practices. The fund is managed by highly experienced manager and industry veteran Charles Montanaro, whose company has become a recognised specialist in the small cap space. He also has support of co-manager Mark Rogers and the wider team at Montanaro Asset Management. Core to the manager's philosophy, the team focuses on growing companies that are profitable and have strong business models. So what is in the fund? The fund has a rather concentrated portfolio of around 50 stocks, but its global approach provides diversified revenue streams and themes. Its largest allocation is to the US, where the managers find most of their investment opportunities. Other exposures include Japan, Australia and the UK. On a sector level, the fund's top allocations include healthcare, information, technology and industrials. Among its top holdings are SolarEdge, a provider of power optimizer, solar inverter and monitoring systems, Viva, a life sciences cloud computing company, and Kingspan, a building materials company. And why do Interactive Investor like the fund's ethical approach? 
Well, the fund sits within the Embraces ACE category, meaning it adopts a targeted approach to ethical investing in its aim to make a positive impact. The team follows six impact themes, which are environmental protection, green economy, healthcare, innovative technology, nutrition and well-being, each of which support the UN Sustainable Development Goals. The fund actively excludes companies with material revenue exposure in areas such as manufacturing or supply of weapons, tobacco, gambling, adult entertainment, alcohol and oil and coal companies. And how has performance fared? Well, since the launch of the fund in April 2018, it has delivered strong performance in excess of its MSCI World SMID benchmark. The fund has returned 55.19% versus 26.14% for the benchmark to the 23rd of November 2020. And finally, Liberty, could you run through why Interactive Investor recommends this fund as an ACE40 option? Yes, so it's included on the ACE40 as a global equity smaller company option. The fund is managed by a highly experienced manager within a specialised firm in the small and medium-sized company space, renowned for its large team of analysts and high-quality small-cap research, and follows an investment process that Montanaro Asset Management have been following long before the launch of the fund in 2018. Along with its strong investment process within a global mandate and aim to make an impact over the long term, the fund offers access to some exciting and meaningful companies. As the portfolio may look very different from its peers and performance could substantially deviate from its benchmark, the fund is likely to appeal to investors with a longer investment horizon and high risk tolerance seeking sustainable growth. Thank you, Liberty, and thank you to Tom Bailey and to Charles Luke, our fund manager guest for this episode. We will be back in early December, in which our fund manager interview will be with Peter Spiller, manager of the Capital Gearing Investment Trust.